All right, so you got this coronavirus thing going on in China, right? And I'm actually going to be talking about this on my Sunday show to some extent, but I think I want to elaborate a little bit more here. Um, the coronavirus. So what's what's going on with that? There's this huge uh, issue and apparently epidemic going on in China, at least starting from China. And it's a, a disease that can apparently kill you. It starts off with flu symptoms and otherwise escalates uh, to really horrific uh, ailments. So and if, if you were to believe the news, and I, I, I do, I think that, you know, you hear about all these major cities basically shutting down, um, even the, the, the main ground zero city, which, what is it, Chosen or Wuhan. something? Wuhan. Wuhan, okay. Anyway, so that particular city is really, uh, you know, it's a ghost town, at least to look at it. Obviously, people are still living in their, in their apartments and such. But it's a very, uh, it's a scary time. And now flights to and from China are being very uh, scrutinized, shall we say, for this virus and otherwise. And now we're, we're getting a little bit of uh, some samples here in America, but nothing compared to what's going on in China. Uh, the real problem is going to be in China. So why do I bring this up? And not because, you know, I want to report the news. I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in noticing something about this. And ultimately, I will be presenting the following question, and we will answer that throughout this podcast. Here's the question. What does the coronavirus and Chernobyl have in common? Interesting, you say. It's a, see, these are the kind of questions I ask myself. You know, I, is there a connection between these two? And there is a very big one. Have you noticed, Ari, <clears throat> that these, whenever there's some sort of epidemic, Ebola virus, now the coronavirus, um, other big uh, flus and, and concerns, that they, they never, almost never seem to originate from America, right? I mean, the, the one example I can think of is Legionnaire's disease, but even then it was so contained and it ended up being a big nothing burger at the end of the day, right? You don't, you don't seem to see this. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Hmm. Either stem from... Asia so, or so, India or mm, Europe or something, but not from America. Well, you know, I can't completely put my finger on it, but in uh, the Soviet Union's Chernobyl, Stalin was unfortunately driven from office. And in China today, unfortunately for them, Mao was driven from office. So clearly what they have in common is if Stalin and Mao were still in power, <laughs> this would have never, and Chernobyl well, would have never happened, right? If, no, I, I think you, I mean, I know you know that, that Chernobyl didn't happen during Stalin's reign. Right, it happened after he and was Gorbachev. unfortunately driven from office by death. <laughs> by death. <That's laughs> right. Death has a way of pushing people out. Uh, so, but anyway, there's a lot uh, in common. Here, here is the one thing. Could it be, Ari? Have you noticed that, and this is, that's why I, I opened it up the way I did. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting to note that these epidemics these huge scares tend not to originate in the United States. Well, they, they, uh, what I'm hearing is that they tend, it's all seriousness here, that they tend not to originate in advanced countries in which free markets... Oh, I like this. You're, going, you're getting there. You're getting there. Uh, freedom of um, uh, destiny for the citizens... And transparency, for the most part, 
not, not counting a biased media. It's never but perfect, a right? a certain amount of transparency within the nation for the at least a general version of the truth to get out and spread wide. Good boy. Good boy. Yes, you exactly, you've got it exactly right. Uh, or you can say another word, accountability. Okay? Account- accountability. Accountability. Yes. Uh, the, the word of the day is accountability. Yes. In America... Uh, there is a tremendous amount of accountability. Sometimes you, you, you even think maybe too much. But in terms of, and not regulation, we're not talking about that. We are talking about the rule of law that says if you, for example, the Tylenol situation, uh, that's a really good example. If you find out that there is uh, something being abused in your product, you've got to jump on this. Otherwise, you might be held liable uh, from a purely private basis uh, way of looking at it. And the Tylenol uh, company immediately fixed its situation. In fact, not only that, but it, it improved the whole standard for the entire industry and expected the entire industry to change with it. And it did a great job in that, in that sense. So rather than all these copycats happening, which would, would have been inevitable, or even worse yet, that the press would bury the story of all these people being poisoned by having uh, Tylenol laced, you know, whatever... Uh, Cyanide-laced cyanide uh, Tylenol. Uh, they instead changed the whole dynamic, the whole narrative changed. It, it ended up being quickly handled, and the same thing is true in this situation. If you've got a, if, if you've got the the threat of some sort of epidemic in America, they jump on it so quickly because people will be held to account. In fact, when they lie about an epidemic in America. They lie the opposite way. Right, that's okay? true. Yeah, and I good point. This. That, well, the AIDS. AIDS, yeah. I they was told say. everyone. everyone there's, if you know the brilliant movie Team America World Police, right? They begin by doing a takeoff on the movie. I live music. by all that movie's teachings. Right. They, ta- they do a takeoff on, there's already an older movie, so we have to describe it for those who may right. not remember. They, there was a musical called Rent, which was about everyone dying of AIDS. <laughs> and so in the movie Team America World Police, they did a takeoff of that called Lease. And they, when you join the main character, he's in this musical called Lease singing a song called Everyone Has AIDS. And the lyrics are like, my dog has AIDS, my mother, my father, you know, everyone right, has get AIDS. Get to the point. And, well, that's what they told us about AIDS. It was the complete opposite of Wuhan's uh, coronavirus. Right, right. In Wuhan's coronavirus, in the case of Chernobyl, the government authorities are saying, nothing to see here, move along, don't right, worry. Right. Continue as normal, go back to your factories and work. Right. In the case of AIDS, which only gay men were getting, we were told in 1982, everyone's going to get this. Right. One out of three people will have it, and uh, it'll, it'll cross the heterosexual barrier and all that stuff. It'll change our lives. And then and then I, I, I and I remember that, I don't want to, um, you know, uh, divert too much from this, but I remember after like two years, three years, four years, I, I turned and I said, you know what? I still don't know of a single heterosexual friend of mine who has this horrible <laughs> disease. And it's, it's, you know, I, my heart goes out to anybody, of course, it's, you know, but the, the, the point of the fact is that uh, where they had blood transfusions, by the way, that's another example of accountability, right? Um, that's where it happened. And then they quickly stopped that right away. Um, and then, uh, you know, sadly, the nature of gay sex is such that um, it, it, it's more prone to, uh, you know, delivering, transmitting the HIV virus and, and hence the AIDS uh, uh, ultimate disease. And 
and I, I just thought, okay, well, how come I don't see all my heterosexual friends having this disease? It didn't make sense to me. And I, I realized, okay, it was a charade. Right. The whole and thing was a charade. And, and going back to uh, this notion of uh, the blood transfusions, for example, if that were to happen in China, um, do you think the Chinese government would be jumping on this, no more blood transfusions and such like that? No. They would pretend it's not, the problem is not existing. And I think, and I'm going back now to, what is it, Wuhan, is it? Place? Yeah. Wuhan. Uh, <clears throat> my, if you had to guess whether the Chinese government is overestimating the deaths or underestimating the deaths, your answer would be? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was seeing a nap there. Uh, <laughs> I think overestimating? No. Of course they're underestimating. Of course it is, yeah. Yeah. Whereas in America, you would expect them to overestimate. Yeah, and they overblow over, over, Be overcautious, even in the best way, by, you know, ascribing the best intentions. Um, they would say, if we don't do something about it now, we'll have a pandemic. Yeah, and if it, anything, okay, so, yeah, part, of, part of the dynamic is because we have a news media the way we have it, for, and forget the, the accountability that the news media is ideally supposed to hold government to, the news media is in the hysteria job. Right, so exactly. they love to make people hysterical right, exactly. of so non-issues yeah. anyway. So right. if one juicy one came along, oh, of course. Right, they're going <laughs> to say, uh, you know, everyone watch out and, you know, wash your hands and whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. So... Uh, they go overboard in this in this uh, department. I get it, but China and other socialist countries definitely go communist. But definitely go right. You know, underboard as it were. Yeah. When it comes to relaying the information and being responsive to it and so on. Now, what? And I said before, why is it that there's a commonality between Corona on the one hand and Chernobyl on the other? They're very similar when you think about it. In both situations. Um, it is a socialist, uh, sorry, it's a situation that ran away from them because of a socialist government. What do I mean by that? In Chernobyl, we know that the problem was already endemically so bad because they had no accountability within the system. So the explosion itself was bad enough, right? I mean, that killed enough people. But their response to it was so slow and they pretended it wasn't happening for so long that it just amplified the problem. There's a great uh, HBO series about this called Chernobyl, aptly named. Uh, and, and it shows this very clearly about how they are all pointing fingers at each other but also pretending it wasn't happening. And then Chernobyl became what we call Chernobyl. And it's, of course, shooting the messenger. Anyone who dared to say, uh, there's a problem here, get him in prison immediately. Right. And, it was awful, and, and yeah. that's the accountability problem. And they also didn't want to make it seem like there's anything wrong with socialism slash communism. Um, and I suspect that that's the same thing in, in uh, China. The problem with the, Chi the Chinese government and such is that they are rapidly growing, relatively speaking, and they don't want to suggest that there's anything wrong with the growth or anything wrong within their internal structure because that would be... Uh, admitting some sort of, well, wrong, and they would have to be accountable for it at the end of the day. And they, they can't do that. They cannot abide by that. So you see what happens with the coronavirus. My guess is that the infrastructure uh, in China, when it comes to foodstuffs and the handling of disease, generally speaking, is such that they let it run away, uh, way beyond the point of control, where they could have contained it much earlier. Yeah, I think I think what it is is in both cases.
because of the inherent structure of a communist system, and let's just throw away the stupid word socialism, these are all communist systems, the leaders live in constant fear of any threat to social tranquility for the fear that there's a revolution that could take them out the way they took out the previous leader that they replaced. Especially in a place like China where historically, whenever there's a food scare, there's been a revolution and a bad one. And I'm sure part and parcel of how this thing spread as quickly as it did from December 1st to where we on uh, January 30th, you know, uh, basically was that 31 days at this point or six, sorry, 61 days, 31 days in December, 30 in January. Uh, I see, folks, I told you that Ari can count. They probably, yeah, very funny. Ha, 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 lawyer. Uh (laughs) You're still practicing law. Where are you going to master it? (laughs) Go. I've always wanted to say that to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the first time. He practices. It's not the first time somebody made that brilliant comment. (laughs) It's 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 like that joke when people say, well, I'm not really uh, very in, into my Judaism. I'm more like Jewish. Ha ha ha! Oh, that's so hysterical. As if, they, and when they say it, they really think that they're the first person to say it. All right, go ahead. It's, it's a real problem with the word Jewish, though. <laughs> that's right. you know, uh, ish. I'm Jewish. <laughs> Jewish. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. But you you can see that they probably have a system in which food production and then the movement thereof into the cities is done in such a, a way that there's that it, it it's designed to not have any interruptions even when there's a um, let's just say a flaw in the system mm-hmm. like coronavirus right so they have no means of slowing things down and then explaining to the people uh, uh, don't worry food's on the way we just have to check stuff right and then this kind of stuff runs away from them whether it's and you'll love this one uh, you know whether it spreads from the meat supply for instance into the general population sure. because they're not engaged in, let's just say, sanitary uh, animal husbandry pa- practices right. Right. or any other means. Mm-hmm. The point is it, it runs away from them so quickly. And the word, the magic words that Tylenol learned in 1982 were the words, I'm sorry. And those words seemingly don't exist in the languages of communist regimes because you if we look at the way we look at God, and you wrote a book called Atheism Kills, it looks at sort of the compare and contrast between God-centered societies and the opposite. Right. And in a God-centered society, we understand God is perfect, nothing else is. Right. And it's okay. Right. We're human. We're trying our best here, but we're human. In the atheist societies, especially communist societies, where the government is God— the government has to be perfect. Dear leader has to be flawless. You know, Kim Jong-un, you know, Kim Il-sung, Stalin, no, Xi Jinping, whoever, take on the mantle of, of heaven right. as, their, as their reason to, to dictate to all. And thus, you can't even ridicule the dude for looking like Winnie the Pooh. Right. Right? Yeah, if they, if they are flawed characters, and they, of course they are naturally flawed. Uh, but if they reveal that they're flawed, well, then uh, that that's the end of your life. And, and the whole and, system and, and your, collapses. And your freedom from yes. that. The whole system must collapse. But this is what happens at the end of the day is that my guess is when it comes to the coronavirus, that it's very similar to, to the Chernobyl uh, fiasco where they saw that something weird was happening. 
there was probably a couple, there were probably a couple of reports of these people, you know, suffering from this corona thing, and they didn't contain it quickly enough, and then it got out of control, like a fire, right? Right. Some bureaucrats are escalating up the chain, right. saying, we see something here, and higher level guys are saying, don't say anything, don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, sure enough, boom, these terrible things happen. So it's a, it's a reflection, isn't it, of the dangers of socialism and the great benefits of a true free enterprise and God, and for that matter, democracy, of course. This is, this is yet another indictment on socialism and another uh, benefit of, of democracy. We don't see all the great checks on horrific things that democracy delivers. So for, uh, th there are plenty of other you know, possible diseases that pop up here and there, but we are constantly checking on them because there's accountability associated with that. And if you, if you don't deliver our, <clears throat> on prosperity and if you otherwise uh, are at the helm at a time when horrific things happen, you're going to be voted out of office. Uh, you might even be held liable, depending on, on who's the ultimate responsible party. That's the nature of our push and pull in our society, which is governed by God, where we have a sense of moral structure. That does not exist in China. Well, I'd say created by God, governed by men I, who hopefully Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. God. But well, it does not happen in China, and that's, right. that's what I want to focus on. Right. Well, I, I think what, what an interesting dynamic is we human beings always ask the question, uh, what's the chance of things? You've talked about this before. What are the numbers? You're right, a numbers right, guy, right? right. But an interesting dynamic about the communist systems, no matter what nice names they call themselves, whether it's Democrat, Socialist, or Hardcore Commie, or Workers' Paradise, it's not that these mass tragedies have a chance of happening. I think it's a more profound point that you're getting at, which is, and this might be your next book, it's not that they have a chance of happening. It's that because of those government systems and the immorality imposed upon a society, they become inevitable. They, they're 100%. And as a numbers guy, and me too, isn't it interesting when you have something that's 100%? The only thing we can't bet on is the when. Right. But <clears throat> Chernobyl was an inevitability. A massive, catastrophic... Uh, pandemic or some other thing in China is an inevitability. Right, so because it, of the infrastructure that, that right. does not exist to, to deal with it. Right, oh, and, and <clears throat> it, it's down to the mass starvations that happen cyclically in communist right. societies too. Think of it like, I like the way you phrased it, the inevitability aspect of it. Think of it like uh, an earthquake zone. We live in California in an earthquake zone. Right, it's inevitable. <laughs> they just don't it would know be, the when. You would be stupid to build a building without any regard whatsoever to earthquakes, the possibility of an earthquake in the future, yeah. saying to yourself, oh, well, you know what? We haven't had an earthquake in the past, uh, you know, major earthquake since 1994. So, you know, it's never going to happen. Yeah. All right? or, so, or dear leader <clears throat> Elizabeth Warren has promised us no more earthquakes right, exactly. if we just give her the mantle of power. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. Earthquake reform. So that, that is the problem. Um, and, and we recognize in California, this is a great example, um, there are similar earthquakes all throughout the world, right? California is not the only earthquake zone. 
<clears throat> you can have a 6.9 earthquake as we had in 1994. Uh, some, maybe it might have been 7.1, which is a major difference, by the way. But nevertheless, you could, let's say just 7.0 earthquake. And that earthquake with that amount of energy released can have a relatively little impact on a city. We had some impact, of course. The freeway collapsed and a lot of buildings were red-tagged and so on like that. But very few people died. In fact, you know, only a couple people died during well, that earthquake. Right. Well, hold on, hold yes. on. Compare that to, the, to an even lesser earthquake as happened uh, only a couple of years later, I think it was in Bangladesh or some, some you know, third world country, and it totally destroyed and demolished the city. Right, and it killed hundreds okay? of thousands, if not millions, in right. Iran, Bangladesh, right. Mexico. That's an infrastructure issue, literally an infrastructure issue. Yeah. And, and so how does it withstand, right, the same problem? And we can see that, and that would not happen in America, at least not as bad. And it was utterly a blow to this other country. I believe it was Bangladesh. But it doesn't matter which, which country it was. But, I mean, the point is it was an infrastructure issue. And the same thing happens when you're talking about an epidemic. Think of it like the earthquake, right? Yeah. You, you know, viruses don't know what, what country it's in, right? Uh, so it might, you know, rear its ugly head in this or that country. And it's the way the country deals with it. Does it have an infrastructure to minimize the impact? And America does, China doesn't. And that's what we're seeing. And we, we yet again have to show the virtues of democracy and freedom and God and the evils of dictatorship, communism, socialism, and atheism. The, the, here it is. And that's why I really wanted to make this such a clear picture for people. It, the, the news just treats it like, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do about this outbreak? And it's fair, you know. Analyzing it the way we're doing it and explaining, would it have happened the same way here in America? The answer is no. Yeah. Because it, of the way we're built, yeah, infrastructure-wise. Yeah, a perfect example. A couple years ago, there's a measles outbreak. And what did government do? Whether government handled it right or wrong isn't really the point. The point is immediately news reports are everywhere of it. Immediately the public is warmed. You know, the whole be on the lookout of... Dot dot dot. Right. Stay away from. Do this. Do that. The other. Implement uh, vaccinations. Here's the treatments. Look for the early signs. They don't sit on the news for 45 days figuring out how to minimize the response. Right. Exactly right. Because it might look bad for them. Because uh, on the contrary, the, the response of time. Um, you know how how if they don't do it. Okay, before anyone says that. Oh look, you're talking about the efficiency of government because we're not. No. Right. Government is inherently inefficient. However, when a news item like this comes out, uh, there is an expectation that government at least, uh, you know, ring the alarm or, you know. Right. And what we're talking oh, hold, yes. hold on. Hold on. Because if you don't, then whoever is in charge at the time, whether it's a mayor of a city or a representative in Congress or otherwise, um, they'll be held to account and they'll say, you did nothing about X. Right. Or a medical authority or, or even a drug company, any number of people from different levels of things. It's, it's also the idea of distributed power and choice, right? Right. In the, the message goes out, and the main people taking action to prevent bad things from happening are the individuals on the ground. Mm -hmm. So if you hear, let's just say, 
news report disease came across the border or on an airplane and is spreading at Disneyland. Well, unlike a communist country like North Korea, where you're required to go to the amusement park when they tell you to smile and make dear leader look good, you then have the choice to not go there. Right. Right? The, the information spreads from both government, media, individuals. Individuals are expected to be the first line of defense for themselves. If things escalate, then there's the medical industry, and then beyond that is the government accountability and whatever it can interfere right. with. And it's done in such a way that the the less efficient parts of it, government, are like the last thing to respond. In China or Soviet Union, government is expected to respond first. And the least responsive, the least efficient method of curtailing something is the only thing relied on. And the citizens have no choice in the matter. They're right. told, go there, be here, do this. All right. Yeah, so, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah, like, yeah, it's no, totally I, opposite. I, I think, I think we've uh, explored this pretty well. And I, I, it's just an interesting way of looking at it. I want to move on to a different topic. Uh, topic, of course, about the impeachment trial that's going on right now. What? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a big bore right now. You know, it's interesting. Oh, did, should I have been awake? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> here's what I do. Okay, so the impeachment trial of Donald Trump is going on where uh, it's being the trials happening in the Senate and such like that. This is such a great example, my friends, of, you know, things never play out the way you think they're going to play out. Okay, so what do I mean by that? I mean that the congressional elites in the House said, hey, let's move forward with this impeachment thing. It's going to be great because we need to, you know, stop the big bad orange man uh, who's presently in the White House and make sure that he doesn't get reelected, because that's what really was going on. So they, they make this plan. We'll do this impeachment thing, and it'll really uh, slow him down in his tracks. And we got to race forward with an impeachment, and then we can hold that in our pocket, and we could smile in front of Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, saying that he'll always be, have been impeached. Okay. Uh, but then they obviously didn't think it through, right? Things just don't play out the way you think they're going to do. Uh, look, I remember teaching... It's, it's always this way, by the way, when you teach a, a young kid chess for the first time. They learn how the, the pieces move and everything else. And then they tell you what they're going to do. Like, oh, you know what, Daddy, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to move my knight out here, and then I'm going to do this thing, and then, it, and then, you're, and then it's going to corner your queen, and then, and then you're going to have a checkmate right there. It's like 10 moves ahead of time. And I, say, I always say the same thing to them. To each of my three kids, they all said the same thing when they were learning chess. And I said... That's great thinking. I really like the way you're thinking. However, you forgot about something else. What's that, Daddy? I'm going to be making moves in the meantime, <laughs> right? Both defending against you and also making my own moves. I may, you know, put a, uh, a real, uh, what's the word, uh, obstacle in your plan. So that's the way it is with the Democrats. They thought that they're going to have this kind of cute little agenda. They're going to go forward with this impeachment. It's going to go to the Senate whenever they damn well please. It goes to the Senate. And then the Senate will hear more witnesses and everything will be great. Uh, and people will be riveted to the news. And they'll just keep on hearing the word impeachment when it comes to Donald Trump. And that'll just you know, destroy Donald Trump, and he'll lose popularity, and he will lose the ultimate election. Right. And the Senate will be embroiled in this trial because of Mitt Romney until right. November 18th, right. two weeks after the election. 
And while they're embroiled in this daily 12-hour-a-day nonsense, Ruth, Ruth Buzzy, Larry King will keel over, and Trump will be unable to appoint a replacement until after he's unelected. Right or yeah, a whole, whole bunch of different things. That <laughs> These they're, are their chest. They're big plans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so big plans. So, so what's actually happened now? Okay, so not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Come One of the things that nobody expected. I mean, although they could have expected, I suppose, but nobody predicted the following, and, and nor did I. Uh, that you know what? This is going to be so freaking boring. People are not watching. They didn't watch it during the congressional hearings. Because they were saying the same thing over and over again. It was all speculation. And this is what I think, and that's what I that's what he thinks, and that's you know, triple hearsay and such like that. Never mind the legal problems with it. It was just boring. And then and then they then there's an issue of whether or not it's gonna go to the Senate, right? And then delay it. And then, you know, here we are racing forward with the Senate. They proceed with the Senate, and it's even more boring. Because what are they arguing about is whether or not they should get witnesses and whether or not abusive process, abusive power is even a thing and, and uh, obstruction of Congress is even a thing and what the motives are. And they're saying the same thing over and, and over again. I got to tell you, folks, trial work is not as sexy as you think it is from the movies and otherwise. It's, not, it's very rarely some guy opening up the double doors of the courtroom and saying, wait, (laughs) you know, that's what everyone thinks it is. And like, they'll do, aha. And there's very, there's very little aha stuff going on at trial. Okay. Once in a while it happens very rarely. Okay. You end up drilling down on the minutia because you're, you want to make sure that the judge understands everything in context. And did he really say that? But isn't it true that you were once found to have lied previously is it are you telling the truth now or truth later and it's 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 not so sexy my friends okay and you're finding that in the senate trial as well which is even worse because it's all procedural it's really boring and it's the august old body it's the it's the upper house of parliament with a bunch of old men with you know prostate problems and daily naps we're finding if you think it's boring for you, they're sleeping. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> I don't. You know, if I ever thought... They've been pretending to be paying attention, and we get reports that they're doing crossword puzzles. Oh, that's... that's <laughs> at least they're stimulating their, their minds that they're doing that. I, you know, if, if ever I thought about running for Senate, I think that this is the greatest um, example of not to run for Senate, because you might have to face an impeachment trial one day where they take away your phones... And no, you, no. Yeah, and you can't do anything on the, your computers or otherwise. It's it's bad, my friends. So, and so you better bring your your reading material, you know, and your preparation H because you're gonna be sitting there for fourteen hours. Oh, exactly a day. right. Yeah, you can't even wear your Fitbit. You know, it tells you to stand up. Yeah, <laughs> breathe. Oh, you know, breathe. whatever it is. Oh so, so they're making paper airplanes. It's it's obviously if, if it's boring for us, at least we get to turn off the TV. Yeah, uh, they have to sit and take it and listen to the same freaking thing over and over again. As much as I respect Dershowitz, I mean, he ends up having to go back up to the podium each time, more or less saying the same thing because the senators who are asking question, questions are asking the same questions which you know require the same answers it's very very boring okay so uh the, what, what am i bringing up about this why why is this so important the important thing is about how the best laid plans never seem to come to pass the way that you want them to pass just like my kids make claim to tell you exactly what's going to happen in the next 10 moves, and they really have no idea. It never plays out the way that he wanted to play out. Just a smallest little wrinkle changes everything. Right, so like the Scooby-Doo villain. Ah, 
oh, this would have worked except for those damn kids, right? Well, yeah, but you know? but that's but there are a lot of a lot of kids in this situation. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not just one wrinkle, one one obstruction for them. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, yes, Trump will be acquitted, and then the Democrats will have to look back and say, well, that backfired. It's going to backfire. Yeah, well, it, it, it already is backfiring. Trump, so far from being the shriveling violet that uh, the wilting, whatever violet is, that, that they, they thought Trump would, would be, why they would think that, by the way, is a mystery to me because of all the experience we've had with him. He's, he's a tough cookie. But they thought that he would just be like, oh, no, what shall I do? I'm terrified. And he's not terrified. On the contrary, he goes on the stump and rallies and otherwise to say, look at these schmucks. And everyone's rallying, and he's he's showing how they that, that this is an example of their do nothing uh, posture, and posturing for that matter. And everyone is agreeing with him. It, it it's really backfiring on the on the Democrats. It shows how nasty they are, how they have nothing else, and how they are doing nothing else. They're not doing the business of the country, and it's looking cheap and petty. That's what they're. That's the only message that they're conveying, and that my friends, is something they never thought about. Not for a moment. They did not turn to themselves and say, you know what, let's think about how this might backfire on us, folks. Yes, we may be. I think that the most they ever thought, Ari, is that, you know what, if it goes to the Senate and he gets acquitted, then Trump will, you know, jump up and down with his feet and sing, I got acquitted, I got acquitted, and, and then thumb their nose at them. And isn't that great that I was exonerated? That, that they should have thought about. If they didn't, they're even more stupid than I think. But let's say that they said that. What they didn't count on is that there'd be a lot of positive um, uh, uh, cred for the, the president in the meantime and how negative it would be on the Democrats in the meantime. That's the fascinating yeah. part of well, it. Well, I think there's also a little more to it, which is the presidential primaries. I, I mean, obviously, the Democrats are just trying to distract people from how weird the field is. Right, right. You know, whether it's Bloomberg praising big gray ice cream or proposing government pay for all transgender surgeries from now until the end yes. of time. Yes, This is just a bizarre field of candidates. Yeah. Bloomberg being the one branded as the normal one right. makes this all look weir worse because if he's normal and he's pivoting towards government paid for transgender surgeries, universal health care coverage or whatever... Where the hell does this leave exactly. Sanders and one, Warren? One group, one uh, candidate is weirder than the next. And I think that's a really good point you make, that the impeachment trial that's going on, it has to be going on because it is a distraction away from the weirdos, the weirdness uh, involved in their uh, primary contenders. It's, it is truly weird. I mean, you, and no Dem, I mean, I've talked to a lot of Democrat friends, and they are all scratching their heads like, how can it be that we don't have somebody that is stronger than Warren, stronger than Biden, stronger than Bernie Sanders? They are all equally weird. It's like I said in my show last Sunday, um, which one would I want to have, right? I mean, because I, I, in a way, I want Biden to be the nominee because I'd like to see that play out. Oh, wait, no, I want Bernie to be the to be the nominee because I want to see that play out because that's going to be fun. No, no, no. no. We want to see Warren and the nominee. see how that plays out, <laughs> yeah. right? I feel like I'm going to, you know, I have to choose, uh, you know, going to a theater with multiple movies playing and I have to choose between Star Wars on the one hand, the latest Star Trek movie on the other hand and, and a, a revival of 2001 A Space Odyssey, all, you know, science fiction movies. 
you know what? I got to choose one. It's going to be a good, entertaining show and either way, right? So that's the way I feel about this. It, in, in, either, in any one of those three situations, and maybe it's even Pete Buttigieg, I don't know. It's all going to be a weird show. With something Trump winning somewhere between 52 and 385 yeah. states. Yeah. It's going to be, he's going to win planets we've never heard of before in this one. <laughs> you know, I just thought of what we want. If we were, let, when we say our Shema prayers tonight and wish for what God would grant us, let's pray for this. God, please give us three elections a year for the next two years where President Trump can run against each one of these people, <laughs> one after the other after the other, That's just hysterical. so we can watch it, That's please. Hysterical. That is very, very funny. Look, I, and your point is a really good one, in which that maybe this impeachment trial, I mean, but, but then again, it's, it's ascribing planning and strategy to the Democrat Party that I don't think they have. But let's, let's do it anyway for the sake of discussion, like you said, that maybe the only real reason why they're pursuing the Senate trial and trying to drag it out as much as possible is to get people to say, look at the monkey, look at the monkey, as opposed to looking at the horrific set of candidates that they've presented for all of us to choose from. It really is a disaster. Now, going, drilling down a little bit more into that, so it was a good point, Ari, uh, drilling down a little bit more into that, I heard, and I'm reading, that Bernie Sanders is taking a very substantial lead in Iowa coming up and some other states. Look, Iowa, I don't know, you know, historically, whoever wins Iowa does not necessarily win the nomination, and it's, it's not at all a bellwether. But having said that, it still is interesting. It that, isn't that, a bellwether unless you win the first three states. Yeah. And right now, he's leading by huge numbers in, in two of the three, and if he wins the first two, that third one, Nevada... A good shot. He's got a good yeah. shot. Yeah. So, I mean, wait, it's, it's Iowa, New, New Hampshire, Hampshire Nevada, Nevada, South Carolina. Okay. All right. So, so South, the, the South Carolina is, might be a challenge for him because he, right. he, he's not well liked among but, blacks. But just think, if he, just think of how this could break. If he wins the first two, or as it stands now, where does that leave Biden in South Carolina, his right. firewall there. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know what I mean. South Carolina was a firewall for a lot of other people, and it, it didn't for work George, so well for Jeb Bush. It Jeb was Bush, a firewall. That's right. He yes. thought that he was going to get South Carolina, and everything will change once he wins South Carolina. Didn't happen, of course, at the end of the day, because the momentum was already there against him. And uh, I think that might be the case for for uh, Biden. I, I, you know, we talk a lot about the silent vote. I mean, uh, my, my little expression is that. Uh, conservatives work quietly and they vote quietly, right? So, and it's a very important mantra to remember. I think that there are too many people out there saying uh, regarding Joe Biden, like, do I really want to vote for this this strange weirdo? Probably <laughs> this lunatic. This lunatic <laughs> yes. who's probably suffering. God bless him from dementia. I mean, but but, but do you really want him? Do you really want him not to be uh, not to suffer from dementia? No, because no, you might actually be better off. <laughs> hang on, you might be actually better off with him having dementia because he might actually make better judgment decisions than Obama, <laughs> yeah, than himself. <laughs> because when he was not suffering from dementia, and again, I do not mean to make fun of people who have dementia, but the problem is this man's running for president, and he may very well be suffering from dementia. You're not making fun of people suffering from dementia. You're making fun of him. Have him. He's an individual. With dementia, who's hilarious? It, wait, 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 yeah. wait! I, I, I get it. I'm just saying. My point is that 
if he were to somehow be lucid and to be be the Joe Biden of, let's say, 20 years ago, like, do we really want that? No. Because he made horrific decisions. I mean, he was wrong on virtually every international policy decision, yeah. for one thing, economic decision. But other than that, he's a great yeah. guy. And he was losing presidential primaries with, like, getting only – barely cracking 2 percent So we're back we're, in those days. We're better off with him, you know, making decisions with, you know, with, with Looney Tunes' brain. Uh, and then, then somehow, if he were actually to be lucid, so that's one thing. I think people will be afraid to vote for him because they really, you know, as much as they want to pay lip service to liking Joe Biden, and after all, he was a vice president during Obama's reign. Uh, why not vote for this man because he seems to be the moderate? But they actually are in the voting booth and say, I don't. I mean, I don't like uh, Bernie uh, as much as Biden, but. But Biden is, is just a kook. Right. Blue, and remember, like I just said a minute ago, Bloomberg's the moderate. Yeah. And he just came out with castration for all, paid for by the government. I know. Right? It's, it's, I mean, he's, he's alone. <laughs> but the whole, I mean, and then they're all, they're all trying to outleft each other. And what happens during the general election, whoever the nominee is going to be, they have to tack more to the right. Uh, good luck. I mean, it's going to be too too easy for Trump to say, listen, you went too far to the left. Now you really can't come back to the right. And and he'll be able to whoever it is. Yeah, well, the, whether it's whether it's Biden, Warren, or um, oh my gosh, Pete or Bernie, he's going to be able to say, look how crazy their policies are. Look how socialist their programs are. Look at the the, the utter lack of uh, success in any of their programs. Look at how they lie constantly. It's going to be fairly easy yeah, for him to, like, to to say yes. that whatever they're presenting today is uh, somehow a moderate picture. It ain't so, my friends. So he's going to be the one who has delivered, and they're going to be the ones who have never delivered. Good yeah. luck. Like, imagine just the whiplash for little Mike Bloomberg. Stop and frisk New York. We're doing it. Drives crime down. Goes out. I apologize for stop and frisk during right. the primaries. There you go. General election happens. I support national stop and frisk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, it's not the candidate's attacking left and right in the case of the Democrat voter base. That base is so insane, deranged, and dangerous, they won't let their candidates You're tack. so right. You're so right. You know, Antifa doesn't let candidates tack. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, this is a phenomenal moment in history. And I, I wonder, maybe you feel the same way, Ari. I'm going to bring up something that I, I'm just curious how you feel about the topic. There's so many of these candidates None of them seem to have any sort of standout policy or position or uh, political ideology uh, that it differentiates him or her from the others. They, it's, it's weird. Uh, and and they, each of them have a crazy thing in their past or, a, you know, whether it's communism for Bernie Sanders, right, honeymooning in Moscow, no less, uh, Pocahontas with Warren, and she's a socialist and she's probably a communist herself. And Biden with his dementia, and every everyone is uniquely weird. Okay, yeah, uh, that's but, the only differentiation they right. have is and their weirdness all, is a little nuance from each other. So you think like, you know, and then comes Bloomberg, and he he decides like, hey, I need to be equally weird, right. and he brings out you know the other things that he's, so he's going in there. We we really thought, okay, here comes this moderate voice. You know, he was mayor for whatever however many years he was in New York. And, uh, you know, he seems to have done a good job, and he's going to now sound more reasonable. And, yes, he's going to be a Democrat, but at the same time, he's going to be reasonable, and he's older after all, and he knows how to get things done. But, no, he has to go wacko. Right and, away. Wait, right, right away. Wait. So here's the question I have for you. 
it almost seems as if God is ha- having a hand in this, right? Yeah. Where he's saying, like, <laughs> uh, whoever comes in this, you're going to be a weirdo. I'm going to make you a weirdo. I'm going to put things in your head yeah. that you're going to think are great. I'm going to make and, Donald and great Trump selling look points. as normal as possible. My next miracle, yeah. Donald Trump, who's a little odd, right. will look like a normal guy compared yeah. to these jokers. Yeah. It's almost like the Tower of Babel, like, yes. a, like a, right, where God is saying, okay, listen, you're not gonna, I'm not going to let you make this happen. You're gonna, I'm going to confuse you all, right? That's what I think it is. It's the, the Democratic nom- nominee base is the Tower of Babel, and they're all kind of shooting each other, and they're all confused about each other, and they're all going to destroy each other as a result. And they've really weakened. There's no clear front runner. There's nobody that everyone's a buzz about, and it's not even a, a fight between two people. It's really a fight between uh, among four people, if you include uh, Bloomberg among them, and. I, I just don't see how there's not going to be so much damage to the Democrat Party, putting aside the fact that Trump has delivered so much in the process and he's so popular. Let me leave with this point. Uh, this past week, there was yet another Trump rally, this time in New Jersey. I think it was only a couple of days ago. And it was something like 120,000 uh, people actually no, attending. it wasn't. It turned out that the total number in the line, not those who got in, right. but the total number of people who attended this Woodstock-ish event in New Jersey was 175,000 people. Wow. Uh, you, too, doesn't get 175,000 people <laughs> right. in a and major these, city. And these people... Even though they knew they wouldn't get in, they wanted to be near the president. They wanted to hear him on the television prompters or whatever it was. They wanted to show the media, I'm here. I'm here. Exactly right. That's the point I want to make, is that you've got these legions, these throngs of people that not only support the president and want to show the media, like you said, that I'm here. I think, honestly, Ari, and I speak as a very strong Trump supporter— I think that the reason why they want to be there so badly is to say thank you to the president and to tell him directly, I'm with you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I, keep I, I, doing I, it. I keep, keep doing, doing it. it. And, and this is like the first time, like, I really want to show you my appreciation. That's what's going on. It's not that they're there because they're interested in hearing what Trump has to say, although what he has to say is very interesting and always very entertaining. That, that is what you would expect in a typical, you know, even Republican or Democrat uh, rally for, let's say, Jeb Bush or for Joe Biden yeah, or for Bill Clinton, give you a speech. Yeah, whatever. yeah exactly. Uh, that that might be a slightly different story, but I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. get down drill. Yeah. But even Obama, um, it's it's just more like okay, well, let's hear what you have to say. I, you know, hopefully you'll agree with what I what what I'll agree with what you say, Mr. Obama. Um, Ms. Clinton, um, Mr. Clinton, for that yeah, matter, forever. and so on, uh, Mr. Bush, uh, but they're they're not enthusiastic about it. They're just they're there because you know, well, it's a political thing, and this man may be president, and let's talk it out. Um, this is so different. This is about not just loyalty. This is about appreciation. You know, I I, I went to a YouTube concert in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago now. And I, I really love you, too. I know that you do, too. And it was packed and everything else. I went there because I, I love the music. I, I didn't go there to show you, too, my appreciation, right? This is different. This is really different. This is so freaking powerful. And 
I love that Democrats don't see this. And this kind of, go, this kind of goes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah. To the coronavirus right. situation. The Democrat Party, and this is where I'm going to leave it, the Democrat Party doesn't want to contain or learn from this incredible pandemic called Trumpism. And in this case, it's a very good thing. But it's a real thing that is mushrooming out of control for them. Just like Chernobyl ran out of control. Uh, this is bad stuff for the Democrats, and they don't know how to contain it. And they do so at their own peril. And how should they have responded to it? They should have responded by being a better party, responding to the issues at hand and not going full throttle in the communist direction that they are. That's the difference, my friends. That is what's happening. And that's how I bring these two stories so dramatically together. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk with you next week. 